over the last few weeks, I have been uh, on more Zoom calls or regular phone calls than I can count. I've been able to connect with fellow church members, with friends, with family and colleagues. And although the subjects have been wide-ranging in their discussion, there has been one constant theme, and that is that this is a very hard time. As I look into those tiny little Zoom squares, I can see the concern and the anxiety and, yes, the pain. It makes its way front and center at some point in almost every conversation. No one is immune. I hear it in the young and the old. I hear it in those who have kids in the home and for those empty nesters who can't see their children and grandchildren. I hear it from people who are out of work and from people who are working around the clock. I see it in the faces of healthcare professionals and those who serve in our government and military. And yes, I see it in the face faces of my colleagues, those in the ministry, as they try to offer a word from the Lord that can guide their flocks through a time of a pandemic, an economic recession, and the struggle with racial injustice in our nation. I remember when I was a kid, my grandparents for a few seasons ran a hotel in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and it was a highlight each summer to be able to go to the beach and hang out there. And during this period of time is when I learned how to body surf. Now, for, by the way, the picture that you see on your screen, that's not me uh, body surfing. But those who have ever body surfed know what you try to do is uh, you just simply try to catch the wave as, as it's breaking. You dive into it, and that wave takes you all the way into the shore. It to this day, is just a great thrill and a great rush. Well, anybody who has body surfed any amount of time knows that sometimes you don't catch the wave just right. And sometimes that wave crashes over you and it takes you under and it tosses you in and around and all about. And this happened to me several times. It still happens when I'm able uh, to body surf. But one of the things that I also remember is sometimes being... uh, the wave crashing over me, and then trying to to stand up. You finally get up. You get your feet about you. You're rubbing the salt water out of your eyes, and then you turn, and all of a sudden, you're facing the wrong way, and another wave crashes over you. Sort of the indignity of indignities for a body surfer. Not a fun day at the beach. In some ways, that might describe how many of us feel right now. The waves just keep coming and coming, and coming. And sometimes we're turned around the wrong way, and it's just plain hard. Our text today features the journey of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah were promised by God to be the father and mother of the nation of Israel. They were promised by God to have that they were going to have a child, even though Sarah was long past childbearing years, they were still going to be parents. And our text tells the story of three men or or three angels from the Lord that visited Abraham and they told Abraham within a year that Sarah would have this child. Now Sarah was in the tent and she overheard the conversation. She was listening and she was leaning in. Now back home we would say she was being nosy or she was eavesdropping. She hears the news and then as Brian read earlier, she laughs to herself. Now, here's what's interesting. She laughs to herself, but God hears her. So let's just go ahead and acknowledge right away that God hears our thoughts 
and our attitudes. He knows our heart and our state of faith. So we shouldn't lie about it like Sarah tried to because God hears our attitudes and our thoughts. And then the Lord poses a question that he wants them to ponder. And it's a question that he wants us to ponder today in June of 2020. And that is, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Here's where I want us to go this morning. This one statement that is in the form of a question has the potential to just explode off the pages of Scripture right into our hearts and in our lives in a very powerful way if we will allow it to. Essentially, essentially, this one question provides for us an attribute of of God that we need to affirm. It is a, a faith that we need to activate and a hope that we need to access. It's an attribute we need to affirm, a faith we need to activate, and a hope that we need to access. We need to affirm, first of all, that God is omnipotent. Another way to say God is all-powerful. Abraham is pushing a hundred, and Sarah is not too far behind. Now, in case you haven't noticed, when they build retirement centers with full healthcare service facilities like Goodwin House or Greenspring or Ashby Ponds or Sunrise, they don't include a maternity wing. These two, Abraham and Sarah, are well past childbearing years. Now, do you see the hint of a theme here? Abraham and Sarah are able to have a promised son by God's gracious and powerful intervention. Fast forward to the New Testament and Elizabeth and Zechariah, the parents of John the Baptist, another special child, are in their old age and they're able to have their son by God's gracious and powerful intervention. Then, of course, we know Joseph and Mary. The Virgin Mary is able to conceive a child because of our God's gracious intervention. And then, interesting, the angel told Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Sounds a lot like is anything too hard for God, doesn't it? Now, to be sure, John the Baptist and Isaac were conceived the biological way. Jesus was conceived in a miraculous way, but both attest to the gracious power of God. In giving Abraham and Sarah a child, God worked and brought forth new life after all hope had been lost You could even say when all the possibilities and dreams had long since died. This trifecta of a pandemic, economic recession, and the reality of systemic racial injustice can easily make one feel a deep sense of loss and hopes dashed. The pandemic has taken the lives of loved ones. It has altered life in a significant way, and some wonder if we will ever get back to any sense of regular life anymore. Jobs have been lost that may never come back in some sectors of the economy, and our economy has been altered in such a way that some say will take years to recover. And oh my, our brothers and sisters of color will tell you that they have been living with the reality of systemic racial injustice for centuries seeing the knee on George Floyd's neck, raises the ongoing question, can there ever be hope for justice? The cries of protesters in the streets are not just cries of anger. They're cries of frustration and questioning, will there ever 
be hope. Will the powers that be here, the powerful pleas for justice? As Christians, we see all these challenges and we see this pain and we affirm that we believe that God can bring new life and new hope. We come and affirm that aspect of our faith that says God as Father reigns with providential care over His universe, His creatures, and the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of His grace. He is all-powerful, all-loving, and all-wise. We affirm this attribute of God. Yet. There's always a yet, isn't there? I believe that everything I just said about the power of God, I believe that some in our community, maybe even some in our own networks, would say, you're just preaching to the choir. Of course we know God is all-powerful. But as Christians, we need to realize that there are those who would ask a very basic question about the power of God at a time like this. And it goes something like this. They would ask Christians, if your God is all-powerful, and if your God is all-good, why is there evil and suffering in the world? If God is all-powerful and good, why suffering from COVID-19? Why racial injustice? Why poverty? Why the existence of evil people in our world who wreak havoc on others? This person would continue to press you and to propose either your God is all-powerful and not all-good, thus allowing evil, or your God is all-good but not all-powerful, thus not able to stop evil. How do we respond as God's reps in the world to a question such as this? And trust me, there are people you know that have that question. The most powerful response in my view is that when God gave us free will, the moral agency and the freedom to choose good or to choose evil, God gave us a gift of infinite value and the highest good. It is only because of our free will that we can actually choose to be in a loving relationship with God. It is only because of free will that lets us choose love and to choose to do that which is good. But with our free will, God also created us of bringing sin and suffering into this world. And for God to stop evil from happening, God would have to stop the possibility of free will and the possibility of us choosing love and choosing that which is good. So you say, okay, I get that. I get that is how we have moral evil, but what about natural disasters and disease like COVID-19? Let me tell you, when sin entered the world, all creation suffered, and creation continues to suffer and to groan until the redemption and restoration of all things. You might be saying, Pastor Phil, we have traveled a long way from Sarah eavesdropping in the tent that day. In some ways, maybe we have. But in other ways, we haven't. Sarah laughed because she struggled to believe in that moment in the power of God. 
People throughout the ages have seen the problem of dashed dreams, unfulfilled hopes, horrible injustice, and have cried out, God, can you do something? They have seen these things and they've heard of God's gracious intervention and they've laughed to themselves with the question, God, why don't you act? The Christian's response and affirmation is our all-powerful God who brings new life and new hope into being is at work in this world, is at work rescuing, redeeming, and restoring this old world of which we have had a tendency to make a mess, which brings us to a faith that we need to activate. It is one thing to affirm that nothing is too hard for God, that God can take the mess and the pain and the struggle that we are living through right now and bring in new life. It is one thing to affirm it intellectually. It is another thing to step out in faith and activate this belief in your daily life. Old Testament scholar John Walton offers this take on faith, my paraphrase. Often we live like salvation and going to heaven is the purpose or the reason for our faith, but it is not. Salvation is given to us by grace, but we live by faith. Salvation is a benefit of faith, but it is God that is the reason for our faith. Walton goes on to ask, when will we realize how less important heaven is than God? Let me say that again. When will we realize how less important heaven is than God? How can we possibly feel good about gaining heaven if in the process we have not given ourselves to God in faith? Abraham was a man who activated his faith. God called him to leave everything familiar, his father's household, and to go to the land that God would show him. And he did. He stepped out and he trusted God. Was he perfect? No. But he kept trusting. And he kept living by faith. And you know what his nickname was? Friend of God. You see, Abraham was not in it for the heavenly rewards. Oh, those are nice. He was in it for the relationship, the closeness, and the friendship of God. Just like Abraham was called to leave all that was familiar and trust God, we too have been called. We have been summoned and, dare I say, yanked by God into a journey, and we don't really know what the next day holds. And the territory is certainly unfamiliar. The only thing that we can cling to is the presence and the faithfulness of God. But each day, each hour, each minute that we choose to walk in faith, trusting God to work, trusting God to deliver and to come through, trusting His mercy, trusting His love, trusting His friendship, trusting His sometimes crazy plans. Okay, let's call it mysterious plans. We grow closer to Him. He reveals more and more of Himself to us. And get this, He reveals more and more of ourselves to us. When we trust God, when we become friends with God, we know God and we know ourselves better. A colleague posted this writing on Facebook this past week. Maybe you have seen it. It reads, what if 2020 isn't canceled? What if 2020 is the year we've been waiting for? A year so uncomfortable, so painful, 
so scary, so raw, that it finally forces us to grow. A year that screams so loud, finally awakening us from our ignorant slumber. A year we finally accept the need for change, declare change, work for change, become the change. A year we finally band together instead of pushing each other further apart. 2020 isn't canceled, but rather it's the most important year of them all. What if God works in your life in 2020 to remind you of that which is most important? What if God works in 2020 in your life to heal your heart of past wounds and personal injustices? What if God works in your heart in 2020 to heal you of racist attitudes? What if God worked in your life in 2020 to call you to the high and holy purpose of bringing his love to the world he so desperately loves? What if God works in 2020 in such a way that you and God became closer friends? Can you affirm that nothing is too hard for God? Can you activate a daily faith, trusting him to bring new life into your life? Can you activate a daily faith that believes God will use you and your choices in the world to bring about the change needed to this world. You see, if we go back back to that great philosophical question about the existence of evil and suffering and the goodness and power of God, yes, evil and suffering exist because God gave us freedom. And with this freedom, God gave all of us who would call on the name of Jesus the power of the Holy Spirit at work in each of us. God is not without power in this world. God will use us as his agents. God will use us as his power at work in the world to bring about justice, to bring about mercy, and to bring about compassion. And he'll not only use us to display his power, he will work supernaturally. I was asked by someone this past week, when it comes to matters of racial injustice, do I think we are at the point of a revolution? And my response is, I hope so but I'm not sure. And I believe, I believe this issue is screaming for the church in this country to not be a part of the problem any longer, but to be a part of the solution. The scourge of racial injustice will not be solved by statutes and statues. Don't get me wrong. Removing painful symbols and making new laws can be a really good thing. But the problem lies in the human heart. And we need a spirit of revival and repentance to sweep this country. And it must start in the church. And as a son of the South, dare I say, wouldn't it be something if it started with churches in the South? For far too long, many churches have gathered throughout the South and praised Jesus on Sunday only to live out their prejudiced practices all throughout the week. Do you believe that God can use the church in the South, some in the very cradle of the Confederacy in this country, to bring about healing and hope? Would that one make you stand on the edge of the tent and laugh like Sarah did? I believe this can happen. And it must start in each heart. We need a revival and we need repentance starting in the church 
in this country. Truth be known, it is not just a southern problem, is it? It is a national problem. And it is not just a U.S. problem. It is a global problem. We need to pray for repentance and revival. What did the Lord ask Sarah? Is anything too hard for God? A hope we need to access. God made the promise to Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child. The three visitors tell them that they will... that between then and the next year they would have this child and the year in between would be filled with hope and expectations being fulfilled. Now hope is an interesting concept. In most cases, it is used to describe a longed-for uncertainty. So for example, in most cases, people would would use it to say a longed-for uncertainty. They'd say maybe, I hope for police reform, but I'm not certain it will happen. I hope for a vaccine for COVID-19, but I'm not certain it will happen. Christian hope is different. John Piper wrote, biblical hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. Let's put this all together. As Christians, we affirm that nothing is too hard for God. We activate our faith and we live in such a way that we trust God to work in the most difficult of circumstances, we live with this confident expectation that God will prevail and our faith ultimately produces this hope, this confident expectation that God is at work and that God is going to make in the fullness of his time all things new. We live through these challenging, uncertain, painful times with the confident expectation that our God is going to redeem all this for His glory and for our good. I've already heard powerful stories of God working to bring forth new hope and new life, something beautiful in this time. Maybe this short little uh, 10-second video will illustrate it well. Uh, Take a look uh, at this artist who, who takes these awful, horrible symbols, awful, horrible words, and then turns them into something beautiful. Abraham and Sarah, is their hope came to fruition when Isaac was born. That's why we read that passage from Genesis 21. The nation of Israel from which we ultimately received our Savior and Redeemer was launched. The nation of Israel was launched from which we received Jesus and our world has never been the same since. From that moment of laughter, leaning and listening in the tent to now, God has been at work and God will finish His work. One day all creation will be restored and renewed. One day there will be no more disease, no more death, no more racism, no more pain, no more suffering. One day, and what a day, that will be. My friends, I want to tell you this morning, I believe with all my heart that nothing is too hard for God. I invite you to affirm this truth. I invite you to roll up your sleeves and activate your faith like you believe it's true because God will use you to do his work in this world. And I invite you to allow it to give you an access to the hope that will carry you through. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, nothing is too hard 
for our God. Amen and amen.